This is Brunch with the Hollowells, and to start us off is a quote from Sean. I've always tried so hard to do the right thing, even when it smashed my life to pieces. Even when it took my parents away, I tried to be good. But what the hell's the point? Being good keeps turning out wrong. I keep hurting all the people I love. So forget it. Just this once. Just for a while. I'm going to do the wrong thing. The stupid bad thing. And I'm going to like it. Yeah, I have no idea who that could be. Is that TV or movie witch? Neither. It's neither? Actually, technically TV, but this quote is from a comic book. Oh, okay. This is Nico Minoru from The Runaways. Oh, Nico! <laughs> Nico! Right, like just the other day I was trying to think of witch, and I'm like, I've never done Nico, and Nico. she is a witch. I love Nico. So originally, and I found this really dark, but in the first Runaways comics, she would have to cut herself and bleed in order to summon her staff. That's it, or just use it in general? Just to summon it. Just to summon it. So I'm like, this comic book for teenagers is about a girl cutting herself. Mm -hmm. That's a great one. Yeah. Well, magic always comes at a price, basically. Yeah. That's how I see it. But no, I I get it. That's a little graphic. And they kind of did away with that part. But she summons her staff. And her power is basically she could do anything. But she can only use a word once. Yes. Within, like, what, a duration? Because I I did see that in the series. They did point that out. Mm -hmm. But is it after, like, only a day or something? Or No, she- like, ever. So if she wants, for example, one of the ones she has trouble with in the comics is healing people. So she can say, like, um, I don't know what the equivalent is, but she can say it in different languages, so okay. that's kind of what she did for a while. Okay. Or she can say it in another way to do the same spell. She just can't use the same word to do that power. Oh, crazy. If she does the same word, it can still create a spell, but it won't be right. <laughs> okay, I see. Interesting. Yeah, but she's a fun witch. She's cool. I like Nico. I didn't even think about her. That's they're, funny. Right now in the comics, they're kind of hinting at a possible lesbian relationship between her and carolina oh have you seen season two not yet okay watch season two. okay okay yeah watch (laughs) season two uh well yeah great great witch um recognition and again um runaways on hulu guys i would watch this this it's it's a fun show the first season took a while i was about to give up (laughs) but second season is so much better so much better so yeah do check that out for sure Chris calls season one the stay at homes. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah. I mean, they definitely are um, taking their story very seriously and they're giving you tons of backstory as to why they run away in the first place, which didn't happen in the first or third or fifth or seventh episode. It happened in episode 10. Yep. Oh, my goodness. It took forever. But again, season two is better. Okay. So, a couple of things, Sean. This is going to be a little bit charming before we get to our episode. You will not believe what happened over this past week. Uh, we got our first fan mail. I've never gotten fan mail before, but um, Melissa from Brooks Reading Podcast, who is a very, very big fan of this show, decided that we should get some of her treasures that she's been holding on to for a lot of years. Felt that we would have more of a benefit and happiness with this in our possession. So I'm going to show you, Sean, what um, she got us. And um, yeah, I think you'll I think you'll like it. So I'm opening up the card first and it says, uh, Dear Sean and Rob, I love your show. Keep up the great work and enjoy the gifts. Melissa. Thank you so much, Melissa. Nice stationery. Very nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, OK, so let's open up the envelope here so there's some things that i am sure enough that you can't really see but at the same time i think it's still cool to see that she got this for us so what i have here first is um do you remember those like empire magazines and those specific show 
magazines from like sci-fi and supernatural shows that they come out well, well charm yeah. got their own magazine um every month and this is the i think one of the last remaining magazines that came out on the show uh ultimate charmed basically is the last issue uh it's like a yearbook and it just chronicles like throughout the whole entire show, just the people and a lot of spotlights of the show and favorite moments. And then there is another um, charm magazine where it kind of focuses on Rose McGowan, who you're not supposed to Why know Why is she of. on it? Whatever. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just, okay, here, I'll show you just how old school this magazine is. Look who's on the back. I know, I like when you hold it up because it's Buffy. <laughs> I know, so, so Buffy got their own magazine and you know there's like stuff about like Aaron Spelling and the ads oh my god the ads in here like Lost wow yeah Lost got their own magazine uh they would do villain uh characters they even talked about like the wardrobe oh my god there's so much stuff in here you're not supposed to know <laughs> they've even got um pull out posters you know, like some of the pages are actually posters that you can take out of the magazine and like hang on your wall. Look at this. Wow. Smallville. Smallville. Yeah. So these magazines were fun. I remember getting these a whole lot. And I think if I dig deep into my suitcase that I have in my closet right now, I think I have some of these magazines just you would. chilling out. I'm going to go through that and see if I have more. And I'll post a lot of pictures on Instagram, guys. So if you're not following us on Instagram, it's Brunch with the Hollowells, all spelled out in one word. I'll post um, um, some pictures of all the stuff that we just got. Uh, but yeah, the Ultimate Charm yearbook. Uh, they even <laughs> advertise these cheesy, like, direct-to-video. You know who that is. Oh, yeah, it's uh, Charisma. Yeah, Charisma Carpenter. And yeah, they have an episode guide and oh yeah, you can't look through this. <laughs> but then we also have the comic Ooh. book. Yeah, so that's the, some nice art on the cover. Oh, they do some amazing art on the comic book. And so it's in a plastic case. It's from Wizard. So um either she went to a convention or she just bought it wholesale and just got the wizard sort of casing, but yeah, the comic book takes place after the show's ended. So the show, like Buffy, is still continuing Okay, its storyline just in comic book form. Gotcha. Yeah. Sean one day will be able to go through this stuff, but I am definitely going to have a field date with this. Thank you so much, Melissa. We really appreciate it. And um, we welcome any fan mail you want to <laughs> send us. I mean, this is so old school. I love the fact that she sent this to us. So, again, thank you so much for that. Yeah, this was really cool, and I appreciate it too, Melissa. And um, I appreciate all of our listeners, because we get some real good uh, love from this show. Mm -hmm. It seems like, you know, not everybody is into a Charm podcast, but the people who are really appreciate it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So one other thing that happened. So the other day, I went on a walk through Los Feliz area, uh, just to kind of navigate and just hang out with a friend of mine. And, you know, just kind of see what's over on that side of the fence and i had never really explored it that much but um the subject of charm came up and i said you know i don't know too much about the area i haven't went to any of the cafes or the brunch spots which i should start doing because some of the ones that i saw were looked really really good mm -hmm. but i mentioned i was like so sean and i are supposed to check out some diner that's supposed to be surrounded around this area and I had to look it up, and I said, yeah, it's called Fred 62. And he just like, oh, yeah, we passed it. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? We passed it. He was like, yeah, it's just right over there. And so we did our walk, and then we circled back, and then he showed me where the restaurant is. It is literally across the street from Los Feliz Theater. Oh. It's right there. Okay. Sean. Sean. Rob. Sean, Rob, <laughs> I it it was amazing. I looked, I took one look at this right, like we passed it, and then he stopped and said, "Turn around." And when I turned around, like it just all like I saw where Phoebe and Patty bumped into each other on the street before Nicholas came over, right there on the street, and I saw that like the street looked exactly the same. And I'm looking at the restaurant, and I am just going insane, and so. I walk in 
and immediately just start seeing all of these like really cool vibes and just remembering everything. I was like, I need to go in here because I wonder if it's structured the same and if, you know, the booth is where it needs to be. I don't know if you remember the episode very Vaguely. well. Vaguely. Okay. So you walk into the thing and it's this long sort of hallway and all of the booths is on one side, the tables on the other. And they sat in the very first booth closest to the door. And so, so here are some, here are some pictures. And so that's the left side of it. And that's inside the restaurant. So you can't really see cause it's a little dark, but that's the door that Patty walks out of and she's walking down and then she approaches the table and I'm sitting in their booth and oh my God. Yeah. That that's the booth that they were in. So I'm going to post all of these online, but Sean, we have to go there. We have to go and eat there. Like I, I need to sit in their booth. It was, it was completely empty. They totally were cool with me just walking in taking photos and then the waitress who was there at the time, she uh, said that she knew of Charmed and she was aware of the episode, but didn't remember exactly how the diner looked. But she said she was going to look it up. Oh, nice. And yeah, I just lost my shit when I went in there. It just everything just looked exactly the same, except for the color palette was different. Well, that's exciting to know it's still there and still looks like it did in the show. Yeah. No, it, they still kept the motif of it being like the 60s and stuff like that. And um Oh my gosh, Sean, we got to go. It's literally right across from the theater. It's it's not even far from here. It's right under our nose. Okay. Yeah, I do. I love diners. Mm -hmm. Like one of my favorite places to go is Ruby's. Yeah, no, Ruby's is good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Ruby's is definitely good. They had one in San Francisco, right? Remember? Yeah. I think I took you to one. Well, we didn't eat there, but I showed you where one was. But uh, oh my God. Yeah, it was, it was so amazing. I... It was oh, it was so cool. I just love being able to go to locations like that. Again, another location that's not in San Francisco. It just makes me, oh, why did it take place in San Francisco? <laughs> <laughs> so we will go there one day. And again, look out for these pictures. Again, we're on Instagram, Brunch with the Hollowells. All right. We are doing season two, episode 11, Reckless Abandon. This originally aired January 27th, 2000. Written by Javier Grillo Murak, directed by Craig Zisk. Guest stars include Martha Van Leeuwen, Stephanie Beecham. You may know who she is, but we'll talk about it. Jay Kenneth Campbell as Elias Lundy, with Hilary Danner as Alexandra Van Leeuwen. Our Lockwood Monroe is back as Jack Sheridan, and then we also have Rick Coy as Gilbert Van Leeuwen. This episode scored 7.5 million viewers. This is a huge jump of their average five point something million viewers. Wow. So I don't know exactly what this episode did, but it got 7.5. Prue has worked on a presentation with Jack. Mr. Caldwell has promised to send the partnership with the best presentation to New York for a conference. Piper has made a basket to give to a friend at an upcoming baby shower. She even knitted a blanket and a teddy bear. That was a cute teddy bear. It was. Prue thinks this could be good practice depending on how far Piper goes with Dan, but Piper isn't thinking that far ahead yet. Another hint at impending doom. <laughs> Phoebe tries to talk Daryl into letting her use her premonitions to help solve his cases, but Daryl is somewhat cooled to the idea. Phoebe notices several officers trying to calm a baby someone abandoned at the precinct. She notices he has a blanket around him with the name Matthew embroidered on it. As Phoebe calms Matthew down, she picks him up and has a vision of a man running with the baby as a ghost shoots lightning at them. So, um, I wonder if Jack and Prue have reported their relationship to HR. Probably not, because I, I feel like Prue never does the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I would say that that is a general rule since the beginning of time, and a big company like Buckland's I yeah the fact that they are partners and they work together that closely like I'm 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 wondering if they did mm -hmm. that'd be interesting to know but I want to give it to Phoebe she's doing her very best to utilize her powers in the best way that she can um I haven't really seen her force premonitions out as much as she randomly gets them but for some reason she feels very confident that she can just pull one out of thin air uh 
but uh yeah i i love the fact that she was there trying to do her thing uh when you saw the vision would you think so far was there any thoughts you're just like oh, okay cool yeah it just was whatever okay we'll just but see what happens i do like that she dressed the part with her little like head thing on mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah little... yeah her little um headpiece yeah but also i made a note of prue's look again okay she's been giving us some weird looks this season <laughs> you, what was it this time well last week she gave us pocahontas realness yes this week she's giving us esmeralda realness oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> she did have sort of that um sort of traditional two-piece thing going on yeah yeah throughout the show i didn't you know like hate this one i didn't like her pocahontas look okay. i just felt like it was very close to like esmeralda yeah so i'm expecting maybe like snow white realness next week <laughs> <laughs> uh due time <laughs> phoebe takes the baby to the manor she can't figure out why a ghost would be after a baby they have 24 hours before social services starts asking questions Piper notices that Phoebe is a natural with babies, while um, Piper, unfortunately, my spirit animal, is just not good with babies. She's like me. I don't know. I can't do babies. I don't get them. I wouldn't know how to calm one down. It's just, yeah, me and her are the same. (laughs) Uh, What about you and babies? I'm not comfortable with babies. I remember my friend had a baby, and her parents and her kept being like, hold the baby hold the baby i'm like i don't want to hold the damn baby and they're like hold the baby hold the baby so i held the baby and i got super nervous and my hands got really sweaty yeah and then they took the baby back they're like oh my god did it wet itself i'm like no no it's just my hands they're yeah like, no no and they kept checking i'm like calm down <laughs> well even like when you know in most other jobs or whatever and like people you know my coworkers would bring the baby around and i'm like okay yeah I'm not I'm not a gooey person over, you know, the baby's coming to work and what I could it's whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's not a bad thing. I it's just I, I've just never really had that baby gene, I guess. So I just. Yeah, but <laughs> Piper, unfortunately, was not good. But Phoebe, what a natural uh, Prue comes in and Phoebe briefs her on the situation Prue suspects that there's something more to Matthew's abandonment. He's wrapped in a silk blanket, and his car seat is from Eddie Bauer. When did Eddie Bauer start selling baby stuff? I don't know. I had no idea that they were in the baby department. I thought it was just clothes. Both of us don't like babies. Maybe we just didn't notice. (laughs) I guess so. Uh, However, Phoebe thinks that he wasn't abandoned for financial reasons. Phoebe goes... Back to Daryl, while Prue goes shopping for diapers and such, leaving Piper with the baby. I love how the one who can't cope is the one left with the kid. Of course. So we then jump to Baby Town. Prue notices that diapers are very high on the shelf. Making sure no one notices, she telekinetically pulls them off the shelf into her cart. How self-serving of her. Yeah. (laughs) She runs into Jack and explains she's shopping for her baby cousin. Jack promised her a lovely time in New York as long as they can stay on the task and get the work done as soon as possible. Um, on her way out to baby town, Piper is like not happy with the fact that she has to watch this kid. And this family just has never been good with babies. You know how the mom had problems and the fact that Prue was dropping Phoebe all the time. That's terrible. <laughs> And he's like, ooh, we got to (laughs) go. Can you believe that? Like, I would be traumatized if I dropped anyone once. Yeah. And then she did it multiple times. That is so crazy. (laughs) Um, Also, Prue must be making heavy-ass bank. Who, I would be at Target shopping for that baby stuff, and you would see maybe five items. She grabbed over $300 worth of stuff for one day. Yeah, I noticed her say that too, and that's ridiculous. She she went to the highest, highest of like baby towns. Like, she must be making some money. That's Yeah, yeah that was pretty good. All right, Dan assists Piper in caring for Matthew. Dan's a natural. He comes from a large family. Okay, so... I had the same problem. <laughs> Apparently, he's only good with boys because he has no business raising girls whatsoever. But the boys, no problem at all. Right. Suddenly, he's an expert on the sizes of diapers and everything, but he can't deal with one tampon. It was 
so crazy. I don't know if they just decided we're just going to erase Jenny, like literally, and not even remember the fact that he was a horrible parent to her. I don't know, but naturally yeah. he's good with babies. Hmm. They're just trying to really like pour on like these are the reasons he should be with Piper. Dan is so perfect. He's God, that look he was giving her while he was holding the kid, I was like, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> so Prue comes in and helps Piper change Matthew. Suddenly Matthew pees and Piper <laughs> freezes it. That was funny them. again. That was funny. Piper's face. <laughs> just her now. Now I wonder if she did that on accident or she did that on purpose to freeze the baby. <laughs> Cause I mean, I get it if it's a natural instinct, but if she purposely was like, bam, I'm not again peed on. That was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Prue moves the pee out of the way. Prue gets a new diaper, but it's too small. Dan turns a tea towel into a makeshift diaper. Phoebe and Daryl have a sketch artist draw the face of the man with the man carrying the baby. She faxes a sketch to Prue. Faxes the sketch. <laughs> yeah, the year 2000, baby. Yep. Who identifies him as Gilbert Van Leeuwen, a member of one of the richest families in San Francisco. Prue says that last summer his family retained Bucklands to sell an art collection, but backed out when Gilbert's father died. Gilbert's brother had died two days earlier. So when it comes to... So when it comes to describing um, someone that you saw, if you're a witness or whatever, and for somebody to take those descriptions and literally draw it out, it's funny how well the likenesses are. I mean, that's such skill. Would you be able to describe somebody for somebody to draw them? I don't think so. Like literally pick a random person and be like, I want you to describe who you just saw. The nose, the eyes, the like how does somebody do that? Yeah, and I once saw this thing where it talked about how everybody notices different aspects. Oh, was it that Dove commercial? Maybe. It was on YouTube, right? Uh, I think I read it, actually. Oh, okay. No, they they went through this phase on YouTube where they would show all of these videos, and you think that they're real, but they're actually fake, okay. just advertising something so mundane. And they had a Dove sort of promotion video and it was you know dove the soap was featured and it had this painter ask um uh, these people to describe themselves and as they were describing themselves he would draw them mm. and they would draw exactly what it is that they said then they would ask somebody who knew them and ask them to describe them and every time somebody described the actual like person of the sketch that painting would come out super beautiful than the way that they have described themselves so you put them side to side the way that we see ourselves is always sort of less beautiful than the way that other people oh, describe wow. us and it was so sweet like the people would then find out that other people were describing them and literally the painter would draw exactly what they said and they were just so you know, enlightened by the fact that people do see them as beautiful as they should. That's really sweet. Yeah, and they did it a couple of times to some people, and yeah, I really like that, and then it just goes, dove, and I'm like, well, fucking hell, it's about soap. I thought it was real. I think if you had to describe me to a painter, I'd get, like, a picture of the beast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I mean, but that's the other thing, too, is, like, I was thinking about it, and it's like, would I be able to describe somebody from our missing persons back in the day we didn't have computer stuff to really do this kind of thing or you know camera phones to capture mm -hmm. people you know i mean we had to like i you know i could be a witness to something i wouldn't be able to help like i once saw this thing and it made me laugh i think it was on social media but it was like different descriptions from different people and somebody was like oh he was a slightly overweight man or oh he was black but it was all these vague ones and it was like from a gay man and it was like yes he didn't use enough skincare products yes. he was wearing jeans from like target but they made his ass look good and it was just this very detailed <laughs> description no, i remember that um living single did something like that too because the house got robbed and regine who is the bougie fashion sort of guru um, they didn't see the person because he was dressed in black and he had a mask on, so they didn't see his face. And so the cops came and they were like, um, can you, any of you describe what he was wearing? And she goes, can't be specific, but it was tacky. 
That's <laughs> all she said. And I was just like, that would be me. But I was told that women have more of a descriptive sort of pe- like peace of mind when they are describing people. Like we're just like, yeah, tall, dark hair, had a beard. Women would be very descriptive into their telling. Mm-hmm. So it's just I think that's just one of those where we differ. I have an idea. Next time we have people over, let's stage a break in. <laughs> right. And we'll have everybody describe the person. I know. And then we'll just see how all these drawings come out. What was that game that we played where we had to like pass the drawing over to the next and then we oh. see how the person's gonna end up drawing? Yeah, after it's that. illustrations. Illustrations, yeah. Okay. So Gilbert's wife, Alexandra, demands to know what Gilbert did with Matthew. Gilbert says that he abandoned Matthew for his own protection. So Phoebe had trouble figuring out if her vision when holding the baby was from the future or the past. It seems that it was the past because um, Gilbert was aware of the ghost and had the baby in his hand. So if he's saying that the baby's already gone and the wife doesn't know, then that vision was from the past and it had already happened. Uh, Gilbert says that he abandoned Matthew for his own protection. Matthew was due to be christened, christened the next day, and Gilbert is certain the ghost will attack then. He strikes at a moment of great joy. Alexandra thinks Gilbert is still shaken up from his brother's death. Just then, he hears a noise. Gilbert's mother, Martha, runs in and tells Gilbert to flee. The ghost appears and demands baby Matthew... Um, Gilbert refuses and Elias blasts him with lightning. Gilbert goes flying over the banister. Didn't you love that? Mm-hmm. Uh, the ghost apparently has a grudge against Martha and is out to kill all the males in her family, which is very specific. Um, when watching this, do you ever find yourself trying to figure out like what's going on? Or are you just along for the ride? Yeah, I think at this moment... I figured it had something to do with an inheritance. Okay. Like the ghost was somehow part of the family and he wanted all the money to go to a certain person. So he's killing all the males. Okay. Um, What did you think of said plot? Do we like what Reckless Abandon is about today? About a ghost attacking a family and all that? Like, do we like what we saw? At this point, I was into the story. Okay. Um, I thought it was interesting. Okay. So the man who plays Gilbert uh, Van Leeuwen, um, his name is Rick Coy. I actually had an opportunity to interview him. Wow. Well, I shouldn't say opportunity. I I had the opportunity to possibly interview him. It turns out that the student worker that works in our office is also working at UCLA where he teaches. So she recognized the name and also found him familiar when I was watching it. And because um, it was just in the background. And she goes, oh, my God, I know who that is. And I was like, don't fuck with me. <laughs> Tell him about our show. I need to know. He declined. Oh, yeah. He was just like, I don't want to do it. I'm not an actor anymore. He just didn't really feel it. So unfortunately, we didn't get any quotes from him. But yeah, he was on Charmed. Oh, wow. And um, you can look him up now. He does look different. Mm. than he did before well it might be for the better because we'll talk about it later (laughs) okay (laughs) daryl prue and phoebe go to the van Leeuwen estate and i have to give it to daryl i appreciate him going with phoebe's idea and at least trying out what would this look like Mm -hmm. if i worked with the sisters okay Mm -hmm. yeah i like (laughs) daryl Daryl meets with Martha, who claims that her grandson Matthew is with his aunt in Sonoma. She isn't willing to talk further. Phoebe and Prue snoop upstairs and find Matthew's room. Alexandra finds them, and they claim to be grief counselors. Alexandra wants nothing to do with them. Phoebe researches the Van Lewins. She knows that ghosts haunt for a reason and suspects someone has it in for Matthew's family. Piper tries to console a crying Matthew while Prue works on her presentation. Finally, Piper hands Matthew off to Phoebe. Phoebe tries burping Matthew, who spits up. He spits up a lot. Yeah, this he does. Not yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> and he spits up all over Prue's presentation and goes right on crying. 
Hours later, Matthew is finally quiet. Prue is holding him, and when he starts crying again, Prue lays him on a blanket and makes a telekinetic mobile mobile out of items in her purse. So, uh, Martha, I said earlier that there is a possibility you may recognize her. Do you happen to notice her from anything else? No, and it didn't even like pop in my head that I should recognize her. Okay, well, she is a mogul in in the tv world she is of dynasty royalty Hmm. she was on that show and she also did the love boat uh, a lot of shows in the back in the day but she played vicky sprance who was the rich romance novel mother in true beverly hills oh okay yeah so that that was her on there and she also played miss elizabeth peacock on Cluedo. So it's a Spanish version of hmm. the Clue uh, game. They had a, their own series, and she played Mrs. Peacock. I didn't even know that was a thing. You didn't know that? Was, yeah, Clue is based off Cluedo. Cluedo came first. Well, I know the Cluedo game came. I just didn't know there was a Spanish oh, show. Oh, yeah. You can look up the um, possibly full episodes on YouTube right now. Wow. Um, but yeah, so she played Miss um, Peacock. Here is a poster of the cast, actually. So every week they would just do a different mystery of the same thing. That sounds exciting. I love it. She's also wearing blue, just like her game, you know, P's counterpart. I just, oh, I would love to watch this show. It just sounds so cool. But it went from 1990 to 93. Uh, she also was... Um, Dylan's mom on 90210. Oh, okay. Yeah. I should have recognized her from that, but it's been years. Yeah. And again, a little bit of here and there, um, you know, shows and whatnot. But yeah, she's 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 very recognizable on TV. So did Aaron Spelling have something to do with Dynasty? Yes. Okay, yeah, because I just there's a lot of Dynasty in Charmed. <laughs> yes, yes, there is. Yes, there is. Uh so Prue moving multiple items all at once with the whole like um, thing that they were twirling in the thing. I don't think we've ever seen her do that yet. I think this is the first time she's moved more than one item. And she did at it the so same casually. Time. I know. It was very good. Yeah. Um, so, you know, powers are definitely improving. <laughs> Prue takes over the research and finds that Van Lowen's chauffeur, Elias Lundy, disappeared just before Martha's husband's death. Uh, Phoebe brings the Book of Shadows downstairs, figuring that their mother and Grams might have left something of advice in there. The only advice she could find is sometimes babies just have to cry. <laughs> Paper finally gets super frustrated and freezes Matthew, just stunting his growth. <laughs> right? Like, that clicked in my head is like, it's not terrible she froze a baby, but it seemed kind of terrible, like, just to freeze a baby to stop it from crying. <laughs> yeah, I know. But she was like, I'm over this, I yeah. can't. <laughs> Uh, in the morning, Dan holds Matthew while the sisters catch a few minutes sleep. Okay, now walk me through this, because from my perspective, it seems that while these sisters were sleeping, this man just walked into their house unannounced yeah. and grabbed the baby. Yeah. But he could have been over there earlier, and then they fell asleep, but then I, I don't know. The scenario does not look right, but this man literally just walked over to their house. Yeah, Dan's kind of an Andy. He's but then a it but then it also shows that these women in San Francisco just don't believe in locked doors. I I don't know. It just that whole scene played out just seemed super weird. But Piper wakes up and is not shocked that a man is holding a baby that's not his. It's just it was just funny. Yeah. But um, are you cool with this? Not really. Even though they have a good rapport with each other, they're neighbors. I know he doesn't have a key. Sometimes the neighbors have their key, you know, to their when when they have that type of trust. But that's true. I guess he is dating Piper. They've been together a while. Um, I don't know. It's not the weirdest thing, but mm-hmm. it is. It is it's a... weird that the sisters just all fell asleep, doors unlocked. They have a baby. Like that I... could have been anybody. Yeah, yeah. Especially since the baby was abandoned, I think I'd be more protective, not knowing what the the story is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He um so Dan has to go to work and hands Matthew to Piper. While Piper and Phoebe head back to the Van Lowen's estate, Prue takes Matthew to work, p- 
puts her in a desk, puts him in a desk drawer. <laughs> um, Jack has finished the presentation and covers for Prue. Mr. Codwell comes in and says that Prue is out of the running for the New York trip, seeing as she has too many family emergencies and she hasn't really put any effort into this project whatsoever. But Jack still wants her in for consideration. Mr. Codwell also walks in on them kissing. Like, again, it's so funny that he is allowing this in his on his team. Yeah. I just wonder if HR knows about all this stuff. And another thing that I noticed, too, is that when we first met Mr. Codwell, it was a little difficult putting him into the hot man meter category because he wasn't listed on Wiki. And then I went to IMDb. He's not listed on there either. Wow. He's not he's not even uncredited listed like he's just not there. So then I went to his official page. Charm does not list it as one of his credits. I it's, wonder why that is. I don't know. I've never noticed that before, but I just wanted to kind of share a little bit about him. Um, remember, I reminded you he's from Heart and Souls. Yeah. So his name is Ren T. Brown. Um, not credited on Charm for some reason, but he was just on the Orville. I know exactly which episode because his voice is super distinctive. You can tell. But he was just on Orville. Um, he did a sitcom um, with Whoopi Goldberg called Whoopi. Do you, it was on NBC, very controversial. It got canceled, like, bam. Really? Because Whoopi talks how she talks on The View. Anything that she disagrees or agrees with, she points it out. She's lucky this show is not on during the Trump administration because she would go in. But she has a tons of belief flowing from left to right, and she runs a hotel. Ren T. Brown played her son. Hmm. A very tight-whipped, you know, I'm against my black heritage type of thing. She, You know, he dates this white girl and blah, blah, blah. And then it just gets into this thing. Um, but he's really funny on that show. And he also um, was a police captain in Hellbent, our gay horror film. Nice. Yeah, so if we were to watch that ever again, we should remember to look for him in that. I'm going to laugh if it turns out it's not Ren T. Brown and Charmed. That's why he's uncredited. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, every time he's in an episode, I look for him to be a list as a guest star, and he's just not listed. Hmm. Meanwhile, Piper and Phoebe go to the Van Leeuwen estate. Martha answers his door, followed by Alexandra. Phoebe shows them the scrap of cloth with Matthew's name on it. Because if we show it, the ghosts won't hear it. <laughs> I don't know what that was about. They were really good about like not talking about the baby in the house. And then all of a sudden, they're like, fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. Before they can go somewhere safe, the ghost snatches the cloth out of Phoebe's hand. He appears and demands after Matthew. When Alexandra refuses to answer, the ghost tries to blast them. Piper freezes the lightning bolt, but the ghost doesn't freeze. Piper unfreezes the scene so everyone can escape, and she, Phoebe, and Alexandra run out the door. Martha tries to follow, but the ghost slams the door in her face. Martha turns to the ghost and tells him that he can't leave either. So, I love this scene. Uh, I love the action in it. I enjoy sort of this surprise limitation of the ghost, the fact that he can't leave. And if he tries, like, his entire you know, self is diminished. Like you just, it just won't go past the threshold. But, um, this isn't our first ghost. And if you remember the ghost of Alcatraz, he didn't have all of these abilities. This ghost can telekinesis. He also can shoot lightning out of his hands. And he, you know, the way that he blinks and everything just kind of evaporates and goes from one to another. Like you wonder how, each ghost gets their ability. I mean, is it the way that they die? Is it the grudge that they have against the world? Unfinished business? Like, what gave him all of those gifts? Yeah, I didn't think about that. He has lightning powers. Yeah, yeah. So, but I, I do think it's a really nice twist that he can't leave the house. But I also wonder, in the three days that all of this drama has been going on, that he never tried to leave. Mm. Like, he looked super surprised that he couldn't leave. And I'm like, you never attempted before this? Where do you think this history of the idea of ghosts not being able to leave the house comes from? Well, I think it's always associated with their bones, that they can't go a certain distance away from their actual body. Okay. But then again, I've never really heard of a ghost story where they didn't. It's either that or they're trapped in the place where their unfinished business needs to be taken care of. 
So it just depends on the medium that you're watching. You know, mm -hmm. some people are attached to people. Some are attached to a house that they haunt. Some people are just stuck to where they have died. He died in the estate, which is, which probably means why he can't leave. What about the Maitlands from Beetlejuice? So he just created his own dimension in itself. And I, I never really understood the mythology of how the ghost works in there because they mention how they were like over a hundred years old in the house. Yeah. But I don't understand how that works. I, it, it was weird. So they just ended up in this limbo place. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. It's, it's weird. Yeah. Cause not everybody becomes ghosts, right? Or maybe they do, or they have to die horribly or. Yeah. I think you hit it with the unfinished business. It's probably more like if you feel like there's something that you haven't completed, you probably get trapped in the place where that business is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Piper, Phoebe, and Alexandra meet at P3. And Andrew, Alexandra tells the sisters that Elias is a ghost that they saw earlier. He'd been obsessed with Martha, even carving his and her initials on a large oak on the grounds. So I always thought that that type of practice was a jinx. I never did it. You know how in middle school and high school, people would always just write initials and a heart around it. Mm -hmm. I always found that to be a jinx. Yeah. I don't, I, yeah, I just find that I don't want to, it just kind of ruins it. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I never did that practice. Uh, one day, Elias attacked Martha and her husband shot him in the back and buried him under the initials. That's fucked up. Yeah. Soon afterwards, the Van Loen men started dying Martha knows Elias is behind the death, but no one believes her. And Gilbert himself didn't believe her until Elias killed his brother. Elias wants Martha to suffer for what her husband did to him, which is why he wants to kill all the men in the family, including Matthew. So this was a major like alarm to me that Alexandra's just so casually talking about, oh yeah, we're a rich family, oh privilege privilege and then she shot him or he he ooh, slipped mm -hmm. he shot him mm -hmm. and then we just buried him and it's just like this big family secret we all know that he's dead and she married into the family too yeah and she's totally cool with this mm -hmm. yeah yeah um we also see jack um in this in this set of scenes where he is trying to convince his bosses to let prue go and he accomplished that, but as he tells her, she's holding Matthew, and she's like, I can't go. She doesn't want to go to New York. Jack is totally cool with this, and he says that Prue and the baby make a cute couple. Now, I mean, I guess you have to pick your battles. You don't have to get mad at every little thing, but come the fuck on. Like, he went through all of this to save your reputation, get you to New York. He's trying to have some time alone with you. And it's just so easy for you to just be like, nope, I'm gone. Now, I get it. She has an obligation in the world, yada, yada. It's just, I mean, how much is Jack supposed to take Yeah, with these sisters, especially with Dan, too? Like, they are just really patient. I don't know if I can make it this long. Yeah, these women are really lucky. I would actually need a little bit more communication. It cannot just be, I have family business. That's just not enough for me. Like, I need... I would need a little bit more something, but I guess in between each episode, they spend a lot of time together because they're totally cool with all of this. Yeah, especially because I feel like Dan's around the girls enough to know kind of who they are, but Jack just coming into this, and last episode, Dan just casually says, oh yeah, guys come in and out of the house all the time. Yeah. Jack's like, oh, that's cool. I don't, <laughs> I don't need an explanation for that. Well, I guess it could also come down to a certain insecurity. I mean, if I choose to take it personal and that they just don't like me or whatever, you know, that's my bag. But you just got to wonder, like, are these excuses because you're not trying to move forward? You know, I would just overthink it a little bit and just be like, come on, I need a little more than this. Mm -hmm. Phoebe prepares a potion to vanquish Elias. It has to be spread over his bones. Daryl shows up and says social services has called. The sisters palm Matthew off on Daryl and head to the Van Leeuwen estate with the potion. Elias has Martha cornered. He zaps at her several times and misses. Phoebe finds the oak and calls for Prue. Just as they're about to start digging, Prue tells Phoebe there's an easier way and lifts Elias' remains from the ground. 
Elias is still trying to blast Martha when Piper walks in behind them and freezes the room. Prue and Phoebe are about to start pouring the potion over the bones when Elias senses Phoebe poking the bones with her shovel. He appears on the balcony and zaps the bones deep into the ground. The two run into the manor and go to Martha and Piper. So, way to go, sisters, on poking him with a shovel to let him know you're around. Right. Like, you could have easily just threw that potion on him and been done with all of this. <laughs> but no, let's fuck him up and just let him know that we're here and, you know, gloat, gloat, gloat. But um, I do like the effect, that, that effect that the bones are still tied to them and he can still feel pain. That's just mm-hmm. another limitation I thought was cool. Um, so before they go there, all of a sudden, all of the sisters are just in love with the baby, including Piper, who wants to actually stay home and watch the kid. It took them less than 24 hours to fall in love with this kid. Again, not me. Couldn't do it, but I did find that pretty cute, how they all just wanted to be around the baby again. Mm-hmm. Um, Phoebe, though, did mention feeling very re- rejected, that every time I'm near the baby, the baby throws up. <laughs> so she felt very personal by that. I would, oh, that would suck. If I had a child and my kid just kept crying while I was holding them, I wouldn't be able to handle that. Just freeze them. I know, right? Mm-hmm. I would take that very personal, though. I, yeah. would fe- I would feel very horrible that I couldn't, like, do something. But, yeah. Um, so this scene, as he's getting poked and, you know, the way that the ghost kind of disappears and sort of the effects that are being used gave me a huge Afraid of the Dark vibe. Nice. This just seems like a plot that would be in Afraid of the Dark. Yeah. And just the way that the ghost kind of carries out his, like, vengeance and stuff, it just seems that type of, like, thing. So I got a really big vibe out of that. Yeah, and it's something we've seen on Supernatural a few times, actually. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Phoebe says that the ghost can also be vanquished by destroying the object of its wrath, and that's Martha in this case. So they did discuss this even before going into the house, which is what they wanted to avoid by getting to the bones first. Now, Martha insisted on knowing what other way we can defeat this ghost. Do you feel that they did the right thing by telling her in the result of her doing what she did? As we will go on, but... She knows now that she has to kill herself in order for the ghost to go away. Would you have told her this? Mm, I think since she insisted on knowing, I probably would have. I wouldn't have expected her to kill herself. Okay, okay. I um, I mean, as the obligation of a witch, it is good to try and save everyone. However, the baby is considered the innocent. So... There you have that. I I don't I I don't know if I could yeah. because I know that family is very important to a lot of people and you know if there's a way for us to save everyone let's try it. But um well and ultimately Martha's the one who made the decision not the sisters. That is true, but you just wonder if she would have done that if they hadn't told her. Like right. could they have attempted to try and do something else? before going to that last resort, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I'm conflicted with that one. Uh, the sisters are unwillingly to do this, but Martha says that she is no innocent. And this is what also bothered me, too. So I'll read along, and then I'll ask my question. So she reveals that she shot Elias in the back. It wasn't the husband that did it. It was her. And after he had threatened to kill her husband, which I guess a threat is not considered self-defense if you act on it, but... It did say that Elias attacked Martha. Mm-hmm. So basically, Elias appears again, and Martha resolves the protect um, resolves to protect uh, Matthew. Uh, she flings herself backwards over the banister to her death. Her ghost rises from her body, and she says, "Go to hell, Elias!" And a hell hole opens up, and Elias disappears into it. And then Martha just moves on. So, it seems to justify her sacrifice, she needed to have committed a sin. I First of all, I suicide, you know, I don't believe in suicide, but at the same time, I don't think there needs to be a justification that they've committed some crime or evil in order for us to be okay with the fact that she committed suicide. It doesn't make it right. I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm still not okay with the fact that she chose to kill herself for her family. Like, I get it. 
And, you know, if I had a kid, yes, my kids come first. I would want to die before my child. But at the same time, making her the killer, I, you, you didn't have to do that. And I wonder if, like, test audience would be conflicted on her doing this sacrifice if she was purely good. Right, and I see what you mean. And I think for this show and for its target audiences, it needed to kind of give that whole cycle because she's... It's questionable as to whether she did the right thing or not by killing Elias. But does that mean she deserves to die, though? She didn't deserve to die, but it makes her a hero because now she's killing herself in order to save the rest of her family. Okay. okay. Like, it's already her fault that her sons are dead, her husband's dead, because she did an evil. She did two wrongs don't make a right. You know, just because you did this doesn't mean I'm able to do this. Yeah. But to wrap up the show, and especially I think it's kind of like what we talked about with Nico Minoru cutting herself. Mm -hmm. It's a very witchy thing. It's a thing that is cool. But is that what teenage girls should be shown? Yeah. Just like suicide. Is that what teenage girls should be shown? Mm -hmm. So it gives a reason for her suicide. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, what did you think of this sort of final showdown, the the defeat of our ghost here? Did we, did we get a lot of action in this one? How has how it played out? Made me think of Casper. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but um, it was a it was a pretty cool way to wrap it up. I think um, we got a reveal with that she's the killer. We got her heroic moment. We got to see her ghost come out, which I was kind of like, why does her ghost come out and none of the others? But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a cool way to to kind of bring everything to a close. Okay. Very cool. I, I did enjoy this episode. I think for its plot content, especially involving a baby, this this episode had a lot more action than I actually thought mm -hmm. there would be. So um, I thought this one was a, an adventurous one. Yeah. Put it that way. The sisters bathe Matthew in the kitchen sink one last time. Baby nudity. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I was shocked they didn't even take out any of the silver or dirty plates. They just threw the baby. <laughs> <laughs> Um, they meet Alexandra at the police station and hand Matthew to her. At P3, the sisters talk of how many children they think they'll have. Piper will have one. <laughs> Piper thinks Dan is a little too perfect. Jack walks in and Prue meets him. All right. So what did you think of our episode today? It gave me PTSD. <laughs> it made me think of the wedding episode from <laughs> season one. <laughs> because it involved this rich family and their fucking drama. Yeah, it was that. And like I felt like um, Alexandra and the father, I don't remember his name right now. Gilbert. Gilbert. Their acting was so bad. Oh, you didn't like their... Okay, so there was one point where he was just like, yeah, the ghost attacks at the greatest joy. And then he yeah. turns around and then, it, yeah, that line was a little delivered, kind of <laughs> cheesy, but you didn't like their acting. Yeah. And I think maybe because she was in it more, Alexandra, especially like she was just so cheesy. Her grieving was a little questionable. Um, I don't know, just the way that she was projecting her anger. Yeah. It just was like, eh. Martha wasn't that bad. Like she was pretty good. Okay. But yeah, it just, it reminded me of that drama. And like I said earlier, it just bothered me that like Alexandra just so casually was like, oh yeah. And then. We shot him in the back and, you know, buried him. And, you know, especially the sisters didn't even react either. Like, oh, my God. They were just, oh, okay. Well, that's what we're dealing with. Status is everything when it comes to people with money. And this is why there are handlers for scandals. Yeah. You know, Anna Paquin's got a show right now on FX or some channel doing the exact same thing. And that that's all it is. It's just cover up after cover up. And they have the means and resources mm -hmm. to do it. So, yes, they're always going to keep every drama closed within, yeah. you know. Um, oh, so I wanted to also talk about Prue and Jack. Their last encounter was, oh, I think I'll make a great mom. And he says, well, seeing that I am a big kid myself, I don't think I'd be the right choice to start a family with. And she's like, well, I'm not looking for Mr. Right right now you'll do and then they just continue on with their relationship <laughs> they technically just broke up yeah like could you are you cool with knowing like we're gonna be seeing each other but we're not gonna end up together like is this i i know that you know at certain ages we may not be looking for the one but 
is it the experience that people enjoy when it comes to dating the people that are wrong for you? Like, I just find it funny how they were totally cool with this very casual way of thinking. Because I think Jack wants a lot more. And knowing that she wants kids and he doesn't, I just find it, you know, different that they want to, like, still be together. That I just thought that whole, like, conversation was weird. Yeah, if I were either of them, I would definitely want to have a bigger conversation around that. Like, yeah. I would not let it just casually fly by. But you'll do, like, so when do you be like, okay, our time's up, like, we're done, like, thank you for the fun, like, I'm going to move on, like, yeah. or do you or do you continue dating until you meet somebody else at the same time? It's just like, I, I've never dated that way. That's all I'm saying. I, I need to be educated more on that because I just found that to be very odd that they were totally cool with it. Yeah. No, I agree. If I were Jack, I'd definitely have <laughs> a few questions at that statement. Yeah, yeah. So um, a couple of notes for this episode is uh, we find out that uh, Daryl is a zaddy. Yeah. He's a father and good looking to boot. But yeah, he has a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, does that make him more hot, less hot? I think more hot. Okay. Plus, his name's Dorian Gregory. <laughs> is he daddy status or zaddy status? Mm, it's hard to say because I think part of being a zaddy is like you dress cool. Okay. But we only see him in business attire. Fair enough. And we will definitely try and remember that in the future if we ever see him out of the suit and tie. Okay. Okay. But I think he has potential for a zaddy. Let's just say that. Okay. Fair enough. Prue uses her powers of telekinesis for personal gain lots of times in this episode. Lots and lots of times. So we're at a point in this series now where I guess if it's used for hijinks or some kind of joke, the whole personal gain thing is something that we don't have to worry about. Um, But yeah, I, I don't think she gained any riches from this. She didn't, you know, win something over somebody else. You know how she did when she first met Jack and stole the address. Yeah. It wasn't something as big as that. But still, most of this stuff is personal gain. It's just like when Spawn would lose some of his energy and life force every time he uses his powers. He should be using his powers only when necessary and not just for the fuck of it. Well, I guess you can argue in this one when she did the whole like baby mobile. Mm-hmm. She gained some peace and quiet from it, but it was more for the baby's benefit. Mm-hmm. Gave yeah. him happiness. Yeah. Uh, the term reckless abandon means having or showing no regard for danger or consequence. It also refers to Matthew being abandoned for his own protection. So that's where the title came from. Uh, the opening credits song was Human Touch by Pocket Size. I've never heard of that. Not heard of that. Okay. And um, I Love You by Martha McBride. Uh, nope. This is when they were washing the baby at the end. But on Netflix, uh, the version of this episode, this song had been taken out because of copyright issues. Okay. So you didn't obviously hear that song. You probably watched the Netflix. I watched Netflix. Gotcha. Yeah. So we didn't get to hear that song. Do you recognize that song at all? I love you. I feel like I know that name. I might yeah. know that song. Okay. All right. So, Sean, could this have waited or was it worth it? To me, this could have waited. Oh, um, okay. To me, this has been the worst episode of season two so what? far. What? Oh, I like this one. Wow. Okay. <laughs> just not digging this one. Right. Okay. Like, like I said, it's not as bad as that wedding episode. That yeah. one, I just loathed everything about it. Okay. This one had some cool moments, like Martha's part of the story and yeah. her death. Like, that was exciting. But yeah, it didn't do much for me. Okay. I really enjoyed the effect of the ghost. I thought the villain was really good this in this one. And um, yeah, I mean, it was a very typical story behind it. But I just think, again, with the effects and the things that were involved when trying to fight him, I thought were cool. Just the bone, you know, shovel thing. Hurt, like, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So this is the worst one. Let's I hope. Think- this is the first time we've like majorly disagreed. Oh yeah, probably. Yeah. No, hopefully we don't see one worse than this one. We're <laughs> we're halfway through this season now, so we're at episode 11. We don't have a big bad. Right, you're right. How do you feel about this? 
It hasn't been too much of a uh, deterrent so far in this season because okay. we've gotten like it was cool that we got like Barnabas back earlier mm-hmm. and we have him getting Barnabas Barvis Barvis. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I failed the test. Um, we've been getting a lot of story, which kind of makes up for not having a big bad so far. Okay. All right. Fair enough. All right, Sean. Time for the hot man meter of the week. It's raining, man. We have three contestants today. Seeing that this is the worst episode, I doubt any men are going to make your list, but let's go through them. We have um, somebody you probably didn't notice. But we have Rolando Molina as Hernandez, the sketch artist at the police oh. police office. Um, if you remember what he looks like, does he make your hot man meter? I don't remember what he looks oh. like. And the fact that I don't remember means he doesn't make it. So he actually is recognizable. I had to look him up because I knew that I had seen him somewhere. Oh, yes. So Rolando Molina actually was one of, did you, I don't think you ever saw this. Um, he was on the sequel to Friday called Next Friday. And the, um, the movie took place in Rancho Cucamonga and there were these neighbors who were three brothers and he was one of the brothers. I knew that I'd seen that face before, but, um, yeah, that was him. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. All right. So he does not make my list either. Um, then we have Rick Coy. Gilbert Van Leeuwen, our horrible actor. <laughs> um, did he make your top 10 list? He wasn't bad looking, but I like my top 10 better. Uh, yeah, you know, we filled our top 10 so quickly. Uh, now we just can't give it to just anybody who has a cute face. I actually find Rick Coy to be super attractive in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, he he's just not as cute as Misha, Misha Collins. As somebody's really got to break Misha Collins down because he's my number 10. So he's not there yet. Then we have Elias Lundy, our chauffeur, played by J. Kenneth Campbell. No, he doesn't do it for me. Nope. All right. Uh, he does not do it for me either. So our hot man meter is still intact. However, I am presenting these three to you, Charmies. There were some people, Sean, that were all over Barbus. They were like, Barbus is looking good. Wow. Yeah, I think there were two separate people who were like, I'm down for Barbus. I love this picture of him. I would get it. So, you know what? Hey, we can't knock people's tastes. So, these three folks are available to you. Should they make your list, make sure to update your list with them and uh, keep that list updated. We are halfway through the season. Let's see. For me, Dan is still my number one with Daryl Morris. Then Bane Jessup, Owen Grant, the lead singer of Dishwella, Leo Wyatt, Rob, the loan officer, uh, one of the treasure hunters from that old Black Magic, Jack Sheridan, and then Eric Bragg, played by Misha Collins. So, Sean, you've got Eric Bragg as number one <laughs> with uh, Prue's assistant <laughs> um, as number two, the lead singer of Dishwalla, Leo Wyatt, Dan, Jack Sheridan, Daryl Morris, Max... Then you have Bane Jessup and Owen Grant as your number 10. So our list is actually pretty different, but let's see how the second half of the season will do. Uh, I can't think of anybody at this very moment, but I'm sure there are some that will probably give us a run for our money. Uh, And that will do it for our show next week. Ooh, next week is going to be a good one. So... You remember Melissa, who gave us our fan mail. Yes. She is going to join us as our first guest on Brunch with the Hollowells as we talk about Awaken. Nice. Yes. Um, she is, a again, a big fan of Charmed, and she has shared her interest of being on our show, and she chose to do Awaken. What do you think this episode is about? Um... <laughs> Um, they awaken an ancient evil and they have to defeat it. Okay, very good. Now, I will say that this episode is emotional. Okay. I will just leave it at that. 
She chose this episode for a reason. So we'll see if Sean takes a liking to this next week's episode and we welcome our first guest. So make sure to tune in to see how that vibe goes. <laughs> and uh, thank you everyone for listening to our show this week. Uh, remember to rate and review us on iTunes or any podcast app that you are listening to our show. We appreciate you uh, listening every week. And uh, we'll see you next time during Sunday brunch. Sean, say goodbye to the folks. Goodbye to the folks.